Hello, welcome to the Dentist Profit Playbook podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Harry Singh, helping you grow your face health business. Really excited for our guest today. I've got my pen and paper ready. He's a fountain of knowledge, expertise, one of the most helpful guys in dentistry and face aesthetics I know. Um, I'm not going to be doing too much talking because I want to learn from him. So welcome, Shaz. Good morning, Harry. Thank you very much for having me on your podcast. It's an absolute pleasure. So Ramon, he's the founder of Digimax. Um, for those people that don't know you, probably obviously living under stone or in a cave for the last 20 years, <laughs> um, if you want to introduce yourself, who you are, what Digimax does, and what's your involvement in dentistry and facial aesthetics. Of course. So um, I'm Shaz Memon. I'm a designer and founder of Digimax. Um, Digimax is going to be 20 years old this year. I, fa- I founded it wow. in t- 2003. Um, and um, Digimax designed the world's most powerful dental website. So this is not a strap line, by the way, Harry. This is a fact. Yeah. So yeah. this is what we do. <laughs> Backed by SEO. And um, I'm also author of Instagram for Dentists, second edition coming out now. Um, yeah as well as a founder of a charity, which is close to my heart, Wells on Wheels. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you've done all our websites for me. Um, yeah, yeah, and authored, was it 14,000 copies um, sold um, in um, Instagram for Dentists, was it? So, so it's 12,000 verified so far. Okay. Um, and then we've got pre-orders of about a thousand now for the second edition. So, uh, yeah, not fourteen thousand just yet, but close. Yeah. What kind of Indian are you? We always exaggerate the numbers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so you've been in twenty years in business, which is obviously outstanding because we all know the stats in terms of people get excited, open businesses, and then how much survive after three, five, ten, fifteen, twenty years. Um, what was the most important or best advice you got when you started your business? Because I know obviously Digimax wasn't your first business. You've had other um, business ventures as well. Uh, that's right. Um, I was stuck in a little bit of a rut. So um, I was the technician. If you read the e-myth, I yeah. could design and I was very good at designing. I'm saying was as past that I am good at designing. <laughs> so um for five, six years, I was working in the back of my parents' garage, which I had converted at the end of the garden. Okay. And um, I was, there was no progress. I was just working, working, working and losing uh, a bit of passion for what I do. And my brother noticed this. He's older than me and he's a designer, about 10 years older than me. And he said, Shez, what's up? You look like shit. Because uh, <laughs> because I was so the garage is right to get into the house. You go through the kitchen, right? So okay. you're eating on the way in when you're going for a wee, and you're eating <laughs> on the way out. And then on top of that, I'm working all the time. So um, he said, "You look like crap. Uh, what's up?" And I said, "Look, I'm just I've got more work than I can handle. Yeah, but I'm not seeing any progress. It's not like I'm making more money because I can't handle the work, and I'm also not feeling good." He said, "Why didn't you hire someone?" And I said, "Well." they're not going to be my clients come to me because of me a false belief yeah um and no one else is going to be able to do what i do and he said well if that's the case then there would be no successful businesses in the world and he encouraged me to get my first employee and the line that stuck with me the most was what's the worst that's going to happen yeah i said "I'll, i'll lose money and he says so what and then he kept saying so what until i had nothing else to say and I realized 
that line, what's the worst going to happen? I've used that all throughout my business. We've got about 35 employees now. Okay. What 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 is the worst that's happened? <laughs> worst that happens usually is you lose a bit of money. Yeah. Uh, that's usually it or a bit of time, which equals to money. It doesn't get worse than that. I mean, I've not been arrested yet. So <laughs> <laughs> You haven't been out with a night out with me then yet. So, like, you're right. What's the worst happens money? And we all know with patient, we're all going to get complaints. If you can solve the problem in money, it's going to relieve so much stress, etc. And then but people just hold on to that money belief and say, no, no, their ego gets in the way. But it's much better. If, yeah, absolutely. Solve the problem in money, always do it. The minute you take away power from money, that's the moment where I think everything changes for you in business. Knowing yeah. when to say no, knowing when to take risks. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Um, let's have a look. So, as you said, being Digimac 20 years, um, what have you been the top three lessons you've learned as an entrepreneur? I've come to learn that when someone does business with you, they're actually saying to you, I trust you. Yeah. And there really is no bigger compliment than that. You know, you're, you are really living in a bubble if you think you are the greatest and there's no other options out there, okay? So I believe that we sh- as entrepreneurs shouldn't take that trust for granted and we should over-deliver on that trust. So that's lesson number one, yeah? Um, when someone says, I trust you, there's no bigger compliment than that. Yeah. Number two, your reputation is going to be the most important thing that you ever own in business. So it's not the product, it's not the brand name, it's it's the reputation. Yeah. So protect that as you would protect your family. And lastly, and I'm a firm believer in this, is to talk less and do more. Yeah. You should tell that to my wife. <laughs> I wouldn't dare. I'll let you tell her. <laughs> No, and you you um you live by this because I remember when I first um went to your office and um, we were talking about websites, the way you pour the water, the way the angle of the car, and then what the research you had done about my businesses before I had that meeting and you had this laminated sheet that's okay, this is the four things we could really focus on in terms of growing your business. That was like a wow experience. Thank you. Thank you for noticing. No problems. That nice big office you've got there, where uh, no space. There's <laughs> two floors, by the way. It's <laughs> deceiving. I think I was um, a bit bigger than I am now, so that's why. Yeah. <laughs> um, obviously, this podcast and most of the listeners are doing facial aesthetics. So, obviously, the first question is should we be marketing as medical professionals, medical clinicians? Yes. That's the end of that. <laughs> talk, remember I said talk less. Yeah, that's... Yes. Of, course, of course we should. Um, I mean, your audience, if they've done their research or if they're practicing, they already know profitability is high. Um, stress is quite low with this kind of thing. So yeah. why why shouldn't we be changing our course of action with our businesses to bring us more of what we want? Yes. So uh, marketing to facial aesthetics patients is certainly nothing new. And I've seen with all the work that we've done at Digimax that the practices which are building an aesthetics business um, seem to be doing doing it really well because the demand is there. 
But more importantly, dentists are dealing with less patients. The satisfaction seems to be greater from what I can see for the for the dentists that really get into it. You know, the ones that don't lose momentum, who go on your course, for example, and then don't touch a case for six months. Those are the ones that don't ever find the passion for it. Well, there's the ones that just hit the ground running case after case. They should be marketing because they're seeing less patients for less time for more profitability. And overall, it's allowing them to get the balance in life that they want. So I think we certainly should be marketing for them. Yeah, perfect. And that's why I, um, one of the reasons why I enjoyed it so much compared to dentistry is patients want to see you. They appreciate what you do. You don't get the patient saying nothing personal. I hate the dentist. You wouldn't get that in facial aesthetics. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like because obviously you're so well known in the industry, the people that come and see you are a bit more biased. They know what marketing can do for them and they are more proactive compared to a lot of other professionals that don't believe in marketing. Um, that's a tricky one. So I, I couldn't answer that very easily because I, I don't know what's in the mind of many when they're approaching us. But I guess they've understood that marketing is important for them. I think the challenge is what kind of marketing. So the first point of marketing, if you're a dental practice, if you're in a dental practice setting, would be internally all the touch points that happen with the patient. And I know you talk about this, Harry. Yeah. The easiest way to introduce aesthetics to your practice is through your existing mediums. But I think where it gets a little bit murky and where mistakes are made is brand awareness of facial aesthetic treatments. Are patients really looking for a dental practice that has bolted on a Botox page and fillers page to the website? Yeah. Or are they going to choose the aesthetics clinic that is only talking about facial aesthetics? So that's where I think marketing can go wrong. Um, and I'm, I want to talk more about that, but I'm going to let you ask me questions. <laughs> and I'm a classic example, because obviously when I started facial aesthetics, I did bolt on the facial aesthetic services to my existing dental website um, and didn't get much uptake and I lost momentum and confidence. When we separated to a proper facial aesthetics websites, as you know, like Seth Gordon says, really needs your specialist. Specialists always get paid more than a generalist. Patients saw that and they saw that I concentrated on the facial aesthetics and we had rapid growth in our facial aesthetics business. Um, so would you recommend dentists to separate, have a one dental website and one for facial aesthetics? Yes, I absolutely would. And I love what you say. Uh, specialists uh, do better than generalists. And it's evident in all parts of life. So if you separate your business out, so it could be affiliated um, to having a separate aesthetics brand. Yeah. You're, the patient is only seeing aesthetics. Of course, you can upsell dentistry, but then that's a link. That's a, there's a different way of doing it. So we've we launched Digimax Derma many years ago because we realized there's a need for this. Yeah. And facial aesthetics practices were doing far better when they built a separate brand, separate website. And there's a whole separate copywriting process going on to attract the facial aesthetics patient. And yeah. if you think long term, you can build out that business into its own separate arm. You could give it its own physical location. And if you wanted, you could even sell one of the businesses, either dental or facial aesthetic, because they're kind of completely separate. So there's so many benefits of building things 
uh, on the side like this, but the uptake on this hasn't been huge. There aren't many dental practices yeah. doing this. One, because uh, we're not talking about this enough. And two, the opportunity is great because other practices aren't doing it. So if you're the practice that does do it, you're hit, hitting the ground running, especially with the way aesthetics is growing right now. Yeah, definitely. And the other thinking when I had one website, I thought I could convert my facial aesthetic patients into dental patients. And I think a lot of them were thinking that when they were coming with one single website. And we know a lot of facial aesthetic patients are happy with their existing dentists and not interested in your services. So, and I think that's what helped to propel it because I, I was just talking about facial aesthetics. If they were interested in dentistry, then yet yeah, we would talk about it, but yes. keep it separate. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, what is the, obviously we probably touched on this, what's the biggest mistake people make when marketing facial aesthetics that you've seen? The biggest mistake I see people making is spending money on marketing. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know it sounds bizarre, yeah. but not everyone should be investing in marketing until they've got a few things in order. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, uh, trading to a certain level and you know, being completely confident, that goes without saying. But I think so many businesses fail, not just aesthetics businesses, when they don't have that full, that, that full patient journey mapped out. And I know patient journeys overused a lot in dentistry. So I'm talking more about the kind of things my colleague Ramin teaches. The fi- so Ramin teaches five-star customer service yeah. from the hospitality industry. And it's all about the feeling that you're giving to your patients. So ultimately, if your patients, the ones that you're seeing, they are not becoming your army of marketers for you. It's a waste of time. You spending more money in marketing, seeing a patient once or twice. They're not really talking about you to anyone. That's not a growing business. So before you start throwing money on Facebook ads, Google ads, SEO, all these things, some of these things that we offer, I would I would say review your customer service from a patient's perspective. Customer service in the UK is so rubbish that you either get what you're expecting or you get less than what you're expecting. Mm-hmm. So you might think that you're you're doing something quite great in the practice, but if the moment I walk in, I'm left wondering what I'm meant to do, what I'm meant to fill in, how long a procedure is going to take, what the aftercare is like, is anyone checking up on me? What could go wrong? You know, there should be no question marks. And then you should be doing something that no one else is doing, right? For example, at Digimax, if you inquire, the next day you will receive this box. I'm not going to tell you what's in it. And it will land. If Royal Mail is doing their job, it will land the very next day. And you'll get impressed by something because no other company is doing it. Like that, we've got about 30 things that Ramin teaches. So I would say the biggest mistake is throwing more money on marketing, thinking that's going to grow your business when... You could grow your business just by over-servicing the clients you have. So they, they're they forced to talk about you. You're not asking them to. They do it themselves. Yeah, it's like I'm, I'm going through a fitness thing. It's like me, I could go to the gym every single day, pay £80 a month for David Lloyd. But if I'm going KFC on the way back home every night, it's not yes. pay dividends. And as we know, facial aesthetic services, it's a once-based business, not a need. No one needs it. So that's why you have to be on top of your game on customer journey, customer experience. Uh, by the way, I sent two of my team members on Ramin's course and they loved it. And we've implemented a lot of that stuff. Yes, yes. 
And Harry, I, I wonder if you agree. There's never been a more competitive time in aesthetics yes. than there is now, just because of the sheer number of people getting trained and uh, entering the market. Yeah, it's, it's medics, non-medics. Yeah, and Ceci, you and that's one of the things we get from our delegates. Again, we've got a lot of non-medics doing it. They're doing it half the price. But then that's where your customer journey, your wow experience, your, the professional service you offer, what you do before, during and after the visit really stands out. Because again, it's never about the price. It's always about the value you offer. Yes, I'm with you on that. Okay. Um, I think I know the answer to this. Have you ever posted a TikTok video? No, I am not comfortable, that comfortable on camera. Uh, so I have not. However, we have the lovely Savi posting videos for Wells on Wheels on TikTok. Okay. You're, you're not going to see me uh, on TikTok doing videos. It's just not me. Join the club. I'm, <laughs> I think my kids have banned me from TikTok. I'm <laughs> not there. Um, so what advice would you give to listeners who have just started out in facial aesthetics? So um, they've got no patients, they're dentists, um, obviously we touched on internal marketing, but they just started out in facial aesthetics. Because we get a lot of questions say, oh, do I need to create a website? Do you need to create social media channels? Yes. Um, I want to answer the branding and marketing thing in a moment, but I would say the first thing you should really keep in mind, and I know you you say this, Harry, I've heard you say it, don't lose momentum. Losing momentum means losing confidence and a desire to grow your brand. So yes. you start with all this heat and excitement. The minute you stop with the, with the momentum where you get too busy, that's when not, your brand declines as well. So I'd say start, that should be the basis. Yes. And secondly, you should outline in your mind or write it down who your ideal patient is because it's not anyone with a face or anyone that of a certain age it's got to be a specific demographic it could be linked to your geography of where you're based or who you connect with once you define that then work backwards what kind of brand would appeal to them what would it look like would it be something quite high-end or would it be a bit like waitress or marks and spencers where it's approachable but quality or would it be less than that? Would it be more in line with beauty? Could It could be either of those. Yeah. Um, and then I would say, if you're a solopreneur, where you're, you're a one-man show, you don't really own your own premises, you're, you're starting up, then you could start up building a website, either through us or designing it yourself, where it contains your face, it contains what you do, what, what the outcomes of the treatments you offer. So no one wants to see, I offer dermal fillers. They want to see... I can give you more volume in your face. Uh, I can reverse the effects of aging without anyone noticing. Use the language that they want to hear and build a website, get a presence, put this on social media. So not everything has to be done completely professionally from day one. Build it up, but then eventually get to a point where you can invest professionally because as you grow, your patients are going to be able to tell the difference between something homemade and something done by us or, or another good quality company yeah especially with the industry with aesthetics you we're doing aesthetics and if you have got a diy website or a simple design that's not that's going to win the wrong message it's like going to a um, personal trainer who um, brings a six 
pack of seller every time you train with him. The white <laughs> image, you're never going to go to that person. Well, I might go to that personal trainer, but most people wouldn't go to that personal trainer. So because you're, you're in the right. industry, you need a aesthetic pleasing brand presence. Yes. Yes. Especially especially the, the profitability here is is so high that you you can reta- recoup that investment. So um what's the worst you're gonna lose? A bit of money, but in this case, not really, are you? Yeah, no, definitely. And you touched on that in terms of I remember I've made all the mistakes when I first started. Website, uh, any ad or advertising, because we're experts, we know the solution. So we always talk about the solutions, anti-wrinkle treatments, dermal fillers, but the patients doesn't know the solution, they know the problems they have. So as you said, if you can focus on the problem, lack of volume, um, fine lines and wrinkles, it will speak to their... Yeah, basically, as you said, you've got to meet the patient where they are and then take yes. them on the journey. Yes, and I think a big one is I don't, I don't want anyone to know I've had work done or I don't want to look fake. And, you know, that kind of thing, because there's still a lot of people who've not had any treatment done. A lot of our marketing should be targeted towards them, reassuring them that you take a minimal approach. Definitely. Hey, um, obviously you've been involved in the aesthetics industry uh, as well. What's, how do you see the future of aesthetics going? Uh, I'm seeing no slowdown with, with aesthetics. It's, it's continuing to boom. And I think the next 10 years are really going to be a defining time for clinics, particularly the clinics that invest in the up-and-coming treatments. Yeah. And the thing with treatments is, they the good treatments tend to go viral quite quickly you just tend to hear about them i must have heard four times about this machine which i don't believe does this but i, I think it must do something that gives you 10,000 crunch does 10,000 crunches yeah. for you in i don't know how 20 minutes or something now it sounds like bs but you you see it so much that you almost want to believe it so there's marketing going on happening for you and then people are looking for that treatment and you just have to be offering it. Yeah. And I think it's going to continue to boom. And the thing with looking good is people find the money to look good. Yeah. They might not have, they might have a leak in their roof, but they'll, they'll find the money to look good. Um, even men's haircuts, you know, I remember when men's haircuts used to be like seven, 10 quid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now for, paying 40 to 60 quid, you know, people aren't batting an eyelid. It's, it's changed. So, um, so okay, yesterday was like 35 pounds obviously included a shave as well but yeah male groom is booming yeah. um but no yeah it's the way again actually i remember the machine because i went to a conference in paris and i was on it for 20 minutes it did feel like ten thousand sit-ups really yeah but i still know six pack <laughs> um a nice personal question for you have you had any aesthetics treatment this is good timing because I have. I had it last week, no, one and a half weeks ago. I had uh, my first session of hair PRP. Right. Uh, so they inject plasma into your yeah. scalp. So that was my first one. Um, and you realize now, like, needles aren't so scary when you want to save your hair. Yeah. So it's all, it's all good. Yeah, we get needlephobics coming in. And because they want the treatment, they've asked for it. They're not needophobic while we're doing the treatments, but go to the hospital to get a blood test. They're screaming the place down. Yes, yes. And it was funny because the doctor that was doing it, she couldn't find a nurse to withdraw the blood because they yeah. draw the blood from your arm and they uh, spin it and then they put the plasma into your head. 
And she said, oh, my God, nurse isn't here. I'm so bad at this. She started saying, well, I'm so bad at this. Uh, please excuse me if I fumble around. And I was dying inside thinking, what does that mean? She's going to keep stabbing me until she finds the right spot. But she meant something. She was completely smooth. So all these things are going on in your head, even as a grown man. That is good. And, and yeah, touch on the, like um, when we do like people always pay for what they want, not what they need. They always find the money. Like when we do our training workshops with our models, they'll pay, they're paying like 600, 800 pounds a year to come three or four times. But the dentists look at their teeth and go, oh, that lateral's missing. Why don't they fix that? It's not important to them. <laughs> they always find the money for what's important to them. No, strange. Yeah. Okay, um, I know you've written a couple of books, but what books would you recommend to our audience or what books have made the biggest difference in your life? James Clear's Atomic Habits. Now, I've, I've got the book. I've not read it, but I've heard him speak yeah. about the, the key topics in his book. And he, he talks about uh, setting your, yourself up for success. So um, I feel in business to be successful, other parts of your life also need to be successful. Um, so, for example, for fitness, and I think you know about this, Harry, remove the barriers. So have your gym kit. If that's the thing you do, you wake up in the morning, you want to go to the gym, make sure your gym kit's ready, packed, everything's in it. So you're not tumbling around. Reduce any challenges you've got towards doing anything. Link it to something you do every day. So you could link it to brushing your teeth straight away. You go, you know, you pack your gym bag and leave. Yeah. So that's been a, a good one for me. Um, Eckhart Tolle's Power of Now. Yeah. Have you read that book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was fantastic. It's a bit deep and quite thick, but overall, it's it tells you how most of the negative conversations happening are to yourself. No one yeah. speaks to yourself like the way you speak to yourself. And yeah, um, yeah, if you if you listen to what you said and someone else spoke to you like you speak to yourself, you punched them in the face. Absolutely, and. The, the best part for me was when you are having self-talk, you know, when we're just sitting quietly, we're talking to ourselves in our head, identify that, that, that this is happening right now. I am talking to myself right now. And at that point, it changes and changes from conditioning to actually, I'm not going to think that. I know I'm thinking something negative. And if you can turn it into a positive, that's great. So Eckhart Tolle, if you struggle with... Um, uh, self-doubt and all other things like that i definitely recommend that yeah perfect and lastly uh, this is a more a story tale uh fairy story tale book I'd, I'd call it robin sharma's monk who sold his ferrari yeah um, i found that really inspirational i'd recommend that i mean the underlying topic there is worldly possessions don't give you as much happiness as you might pin to them yeah so the pursuit of that uh, can be quite uh, upsetting in the long run. Yeah, and because you you will never be happy with what because you always want the next fastest car, bigger house, latest right. papers, etc. Um, I'm glad to say I've read all three books, so we're on a good path. Good <laughs> um, so obviously, your speciality is marketing and websites. Um, we've touched on it in terms of where people can go wrong is looks quite amateur it's not aesthetic pleasing any other errors you see people making with their websites there's quite a lot of issues with websites that we see even brand new ones Uh, and the thing is most websites are designed to please the client right so harry when you wanted to redesign your btc website many many years ago 
Yeah. Um, it was a brand new site and it was designed to please you. And w- with all due respect, the website design and build isn't your main business. So if it looks good enough, it, you usually sign it off. And that's what most clients do. Okay. But how websites should be built is, I know it sounds obvious for the patient, but what does that actually mean? So we look at the stats of websites. Most websites, dental, they have a up to a 90% bounce rate, so 70 to 90% bounce rate, which means within the first five seconds, seven to nine people are leaving, out of 10 are leaving the website. So there's, that's wrong. There's an illness with your website, right? It's got a disease. Yet you've approved this site and you wouldn't know this. And the web designer's done, he's signed off. So we wanted to build websites which have a far lower bounce rate. So all the websites of ours that win in the awards, they have a bounce rate of 30 to 50%. Okay. And that is, so we keep seven out of 10 people on the site in most cases. And that is because when someone's coming to a website for the first time, they're quite distracted to begin with. We're all distracted as a society. And every person is different, like your patient is different. So if we make them work to find out these five things, so the first thing was we did a study on 100 patients. Where are you located? If I have to click or scroll to find that out, that's an issue. So if you add that onto the first anywhere without me having to click or scroll, you're onto a winner. Okay. Most people visiting from a mobile device, they wanted to call the practice. So we found that most websites we saw, you'd have to click contact, then find the phone number or scroll down. So phone number should be present. Number three, immediately it should be clear. Instead of it saying, welcome to Harry Singh's aesthetic practice, immediately that real estate should be used to say, this is what we do. You know, mm. your main USP should be there, right there. Why should I be coming to you? What kind of treatment do you offer? Um, four, very quickly, I should see the, who is this for? Who is this business targeted to? So I will often see people who want to um, sell Invisalign treatment plastered a homepage with young looking people. Yeah. Um, so are you saying to me that me as a, I don't know, 55 year old male, am I not suitable for this treatment? Is that what you're subliminally telling me? Okay. Um, and five, I would say making your homepage too minimal, minimal designs. We love them as designers. They look quite good. Mm. But when you make it too minimal, it means that I need to find information elsewhere. The more you make me click and the more you make me scroll, I'm going to leave your website. And it's a bit like, just think about it this way. How many pictures do you take on your phone? Once you take a picture, you kind of forget what you took, where it's gone, because you take it to come back to it. Nine out of 10 times, I never come back to it. And that's what's happening with your website. Yeah. Thank you. Valuable tips there. Um, Obviously, with facial aesthetics, as I said, it's quite a visual business. We want to showcase our cases. Obviously, people putting before and after pictures. Um, as you know, there's certain guidelines with PRMs not advertising. So any helpful tips on people um, posting before and after pictures on their websites? Um, I want to highlight something that I see a lot on social media. So I don't know, Harry, what your views are on this, but showing fresh off the needle pictures before and afters um in many cases i'm seeing really swollen red faces where you can see some volume or improvement yeah, yeah. but i think someone who's not had treatment before is looking at and thinking 
oh my god i don't want my face to look like that they just cannot get past that image yeah uh, and understand even though you're saying it that this is just now it'll cool down you know it'll be better later i think before and after should literally be a before and then after treatment settle down another picture so i i'm not a fan of fresh off the needle pictures and injections showing pictures of injections like if you type botox into an image search engine right yeah. uh you're going to get just loads of needles yeah people don't want to see pictures of needles in any situation so i would say don't show needles yeah. it's not needed mm. that's perfect yeah because um it's quite random because i'm judging um i'm one of the judges for one of the magazines and they've sent me these entries for best um clinician and they had to showcase their cases and half of them have got fresh off the needle and even i'm as a judge and experience i just see the blood wow blood injection points i go you couldn't why couldn't you just waited two weeks get the patient back in and take better yeah. pictures i think that's how we're wired aren't we as children yeah. just to notice that yeah. so th- those two adjustments i think people people's marketing would go a very long way another thing that we get with obviously people being on social media savvy they're getting into that a lot more. A uh, common phrase I hear people saying websites are dead. Okay. What's your viewpoint on that? Um, websites. So when we look at our stats on Google Analytics, okay, we can see the main source of traffic being Google. That's the main source of traffic, organic traffic. And SEO yeah. is a big part of what we do at Digimax. So people are going to Google. So if you're saying websites are dead, you're saying Google is dead, okay? Uh, and I don't think Google is dead or going to be dead anytime soon. So that, to me, is a false statement. Secondly, we can see in the analytics that so many hits are coming in from platforms like Instagram and Facebook. So even on my bio, for example, I've got a link to my website. Yeah, People are clicking that because they want more. So um, people who say websites are dead, I think sometimes they do it uh on TikToks to get your attention and bring something else to you. But um, they're not dying anytime soon. No, I agree. And also what I found, I get a better quality patient from Google websites because they actually actively search for the term because no one goes on social media really to buy or they're looking at their friends, seeing what they're up to. So you find personally, we get better quality leads from Google via the website. Yes, I think social is great for brand awareness and in a slow brand exposure but even ourselves most of our traffic is from google and inquiries are from google and same for our clients so i mean we've got to do it all but google you just get a stronger quality inquiry because there's a lot more investment required yeah i say i always use the phrase social media is like a family barbecue you go there to mingle meet people see what other people do if you went to a family barbecue and just shouted all your services and started selling straight away, <laughs> you wouldn't be invited to your next barbecue. Yeah, I like that. That's a good analogy. Yeah. Okay. Um, obviously, one of your other services is SEO. Um, as you said, you need to get the website right um, before you... Because obviously, it's no use having the perfect website, really artistic, if no one can find you on Google. So how does SEO play and link with websites? Great question. So SEO stands for search engine optimization. And once you build a website, it's not going to automatically rank for, I don't know, Botox St. Albans or Dermophilus St. Albans. You've got to do something 
to make that happen. And that something is SEO. So we we don't offer SEO to practices that haven't designed our, our website with us anymore because we've already discussed that seven to nine people leave a website and most websites, even new ones, even the ones that get shown to us that look, can you just do SEO for us? Um, I've got a brand new website. And we know if we get a, a practice ranking really high on Google and they still don't get patience from it, they're still going to point the finger at us. So what we do with our websites is once we've built this powerful beast patient converting machine, we then will rank you high on Google using a few safe techniques. It takes every month we're doing something and slowly from the reports, you see that you start ranking high for the terms that we've agreed on. Now, because Google is the first place you go to search for anything, that traffic then lands on your website which then turns into inquiries, which then turns into more business. So SEO, branding, and website design are the three things that we offer at Digimax. Perfect. That leads us next on to wrapping up. So if people do want to um, find out more about your services, where can they go? What's the website, social media handles? Thank you. So digimaxderma.com is our facial aesthetics marketing brand. Uh, Digimax.dental, our website for dental marketing. Um, you can find more information about Ramin's customer service training course, which I highly recommend on clinics.co.uk. If you're interested in me and my charity and the other things that I do, you can find me on shaz.memon on Instagram or shaz.co.uk on my website. Perfect. And obviously we'll put all the links in the podcast episode. Yeah, I think I need another page for all the links. <laughs> there. Now, thank you, Shaz. I'm a very busy man. I'm doing a Netflix documentary at the moment, aren't you? Yeah, it might be Netflix or it might be Amazon Prime. Let's see who Let's wants it. See, yeah, Barter. So no, thank you. I know you're a busy man, but thank you for the tips. I've made loads of notes, making some changes to some of the stuff I do. So thank you, Shaz. For thank your- you very much, Harry. I really enjoyed it.